Amen. Thank you, Pastor Mitch. Well, friends, happy new year. A little more enthusiasm than that. You can do a little better. Happy new year. There we go. I want to greet those of you who are also with us online or will experience this message on our podcast. If we haven't met, my name is Adam, and it's my joy to be one of our pastors here. I think the new year gives us an opportunity to kind of reset and reflect. And, and I want to congratulate all of you for starting for your one for one in 2022 in worship. It feels good. feels good. Uh, you know, I think a word we've heard a lot over the past two years or so is essential, right? Essential workers, essential services. As, as you think about the year ahead, what are the essential things that we should order our life around in order to grow as followers of Jesus? That's what we're going to be looking at the next three weeks in our sermon series called Essential. Years ago, my mother-in-law was making my father-in-law his favorite pie for his birthday. His favorite pie is strawberry rhubarb. And my father-in-law is definitely the type of person that would make a vegetable part of his favorite pie. Right? You got to sneak a veggie in there somehow. So she gets the pie all baked, cuts into it, water, like runny mess everywhere. Now, those of you who are bakers know that she forgot something. And I, I couldn't figure out what exactly it was. But she forgot what's called a thickening agent. A thickening agent, cornstarch or flour or something like that. If you don't add that into the pie, you know, those, them rhubarbs got a lot of water in them. And so the whole thing's just not going to be right if you don't have all the ingredients. And so what ingredients do you need for a great new year? Like of all the things you could choose to do and all the things you could spend your time on, how are you going to decide what your priorities are going to be? Because it's definitely not a lack of, of opportunities for stuff we could spend our time on. Those are everywhere. So of all the options you could have, how do you decide what you're going to prioritize? Friends, what I hope we'll discover as we study God's word together today is that life to the full begins with biblical faith. I, had a, uh, I worked in youth ministry for a long time and one of, he became one of my dearest friends and a mentor to me. His name was Ken. Uh, and he worked with our confirmation kids. That's a, a process that middle schoolers go through in the Methodist church to uh, say yes to Jesus. And I, I think Ken started smoking when he was like six years old or something, because his voice, he had a real gravelly voice. And, and I loved him dearly. And I, I've told him this personally, so I'm not like sneaking this in. But he used to tell our confirmation kids, the B-I-B-L-E stands for basic instructions before leaving earth. And, and while I found that a memorable phrase, I'm not sure it did the Bible justice. Like, that's a little simple, Ken, you know. Uh, the, the Bible is a complex document. As you would imagine, the, the, the written word of a cosmic God should be. Uh, it's a collection of 66 books written across three continents uh, by over 40 different authors. It, it was written in multiple languages. Uh, there's, it contains multiple genres, um, Word, uh, word, uh, poetry, law. Uh, there are words in the Bible, yes. Uh, uh, history, um, uh, wisdom writings, uh, biographies, uh, visions. I mean, it's it's a it's a complex set of documents, and yet it makes up the unified story of God, despite being written generations apart. The Bible is the story of God pursuing people to be in right relationship with him. 
It's the most studied document in human history. And in, in my view, it's the most influential document in history. John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, said that the Bible is the only and sufficient rule, both of Christian faith and practice. In other words, the Bible contains uh, everything we need for the content of our faith to know what we should believe in, as well as all that we should do in response to that belief or the way we live out our faith and practice it. But rather than listening to my description or John Wesley's, it's always a good idea to let the Bible describe itself. In the book of John, towards the conclusion, the author tells us why he wrote what he wrote. And John is one of the four gospels that uh, start off the second half of the Bible. And the word gospel simply means good news. So the gospel of John is the good news of the life and death and teachings of Jesus and his resurrection. And in some of the final words of the whole book of John, we read this. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So what's the point of the Bible? In tribute to John Madden, boom, the point of the Bible, John 20, 31 tells us that we would believe in Jesus and that by believing, have life in his name. And so in that one little verse, there's a lot of detail, right? Scripture is meant to lead us to faith in Jesus, not just as a nice guy or as a historical figure or an ethical teacher, but as the long-promised, eternally universe-altering Messiah. And that once we believe, the point isn't just to like win at Bible trivia. Anybody ever been to like a trivia night and they have a Bible trivia category and all that happens is everybody feels guilty, (laughs) right? Or as a pastor, I can tell you that's very odd because here's what everybody at your table does. And it's like, I'm sorry I don't know Hezekiah's third cousin. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. So anyway, that's, that's a whole complicated mess. That's not the point of the Bible to win Bible trivia or, or feel like we've, you know, like we're done. We've punched our heavenly ticket. Now we can kind of do whatever. Or the Bible isn't meant to help us feel superior to those we disagree with. Once we grasp the grace of Jesus through our belief that he is the son of God, then the point is that we would have life in his name that our lives would be transformed eternally starting now. I think too often, and this is tempting for for folks who have believed for a long time, but too often we approach Jesus with half measures, right? Like we try and chop him up. Like, well, I, I really like the loving your neighbor stuff, but the resurrection stuff, come on, come on. See how easy that is to do? Or there's a version of theology out there of belief in Jesus that says, well, I said this prayer and so I feel like I'm good for when I die, but because Jesus is so forgiving, I know he's gonna forgive me for all the stuff I'm fixing to do. That's a version of Christianity. See, you can't believe in Jesus just a little bit. Biblical faith isn't just like agreeing with a set of facts in this big book. Biblical faith is, is allowing the story of God to form the story of your life. Biblical faith colors every area of life and how we see the world and how we behave in the world. There was a pastor who gave a talk called Why I Am Not an Atheist. And he outlined four fundamental questions about life, four very important questions. The question of origin, where do I come from? The question of meaning, why am I here? The question of morality, how do I decide what is right and wrong? And the question of destiny, 
When I die, what happens? And how we respond, each of these questions has major ramifications for how we live our lives. And, and a life of biblical faith can respond to each of these questions with coherence. So when it comes to the question of origin, where do we come from? The Bible has answers. Now, there's a lot of debate and, and a lot of deep belief and discussion about the method of creation, right? How, do we're, how are we to interpret Genesis 1 and 2? And I don't, I don't find a lot of those arguments worth a lot. And, and so for me, I just kind of skip over them. And I, I, I don't think that's a cop-out because what I think is very clear in the Bible is that God is the author of creation. So we're gonna start the new year with Genesis 1-1 from the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. Biblical faith rejects the idea that the universe was a haphazard accidental event and that you were the result of like some random collision of neurons or whatever. That's not what biblical faith says. The Bible affirms that God is the author of creation and that creation is good. And what this means is as we go throughout the world, every single person we see is a product of the design of a loving God. And that should affect how we treat them. So the problem is we got a lot of folks who think, well, the universe is accidental it has no purpose, no meaning, and then try and arbitrarily assign purpose to it. But in a life of biblical faith, we got all that already baked in. See how I brought in the rhubarb strawberry pie. It's just, I can't help it. It's baked in. A loving God created the universe purposefully. And so another fundamental question is meaning. Well, what is my purpose in the midst of God's purpose? In the Presbyterian tradition, there's a statement of faith from the 17th century, digging deep here, and it's called the Westminster Catechism. And in this confession, the statement of belief, it says, what is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. I thought that was a pretty good summation. In the New Testament, Hebrews 2 puts it this way. What is mankind that you are mindful of them, a son of man that you care for him? You made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. So the purpose of life is to truly live, to glorify our good creator and to enjoy his goodness forever. In our work, we glorify God when we use our gifts well, whether we're teachers or realtors or we, we tend to our families. Whatever it is you do, when you, when you do it well, you're using your gifts and glorifying God. When we play, I hope you guys have, have had a week or so to kind of, I mean, this is not the least productive week in America, right? Between Christmas and New Year's. I hope you all have had some time to rest and to enjoy time with people you love. When we play, when we rest, we're enjoying the good creation of God and in that way, giving God glory. Now, none of you do, of course, but I've heard that for some people, they may enjoy things that aren't actually good for them or good for anybody. We could make a long list of those things. So when it comes to what we enjoy, well, how do, how do we decide what that's gonna be? How do we decide what's good and bad? What we should or shouldn't enjoy? This is the question of morality. How do we decide right and wrong? 
In Genesis, we see that people disobeyed God and they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This is a phrase we see in the Bible only a few times. And it, the language is very much the language like uh, in a courtroom. And the knowledge of good and evil means that people would decide for themselves what is best instead of looking to God. And we see the ramifications of this all over society. We decide what is right and wrong by subjecting it, not to what we think is best, but by putting it through the filter of Jesus' great command. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. In the Hebrew Bible, so, so the New Testament was written uh, many years after Jesus uh, spoke these words. And so what he was referring to of the law and the prophets were two out of the three major sections of the, what we would call the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible. There's the Torah, the law, the Nevi'im, the prophets, and the Ketuvim, the wisdom writings, things like Proverbs and Psalms. Those are the three main categories in the Old Testament. And Jesus says that you can take two-thirds of those, in other words, most of them, and you can sum it up in two sentences. Biblical faith says that we need to look outside of ourselves to decide what is right and wrong. We need to look upward into what honors God, and we need to look outward to what honors and loves our neighbor. You ever have a TV series that, that you just loved and then the ending was horrible? What, somebody call, let's have a little participation Sunday here. What, what's a series you just loved but then bombed at the end? Somebody help me out. Game of Thrones. I wanted to put that in but was concerned it wouldn't be appropriate. Thank you. Somebody else said Lost. What, give me one more. Soprano. Soprano. I need to hang out with somebody after the service. What was it in the back? Hall of what? All American. So you invest all this time into this series. You feel like you're friends with the characters and you're thinking, man, this is really going somewhere. And then it doesn't. Now there's worse problems to have in life, but that's such a bummer, right? When the series just ends. So we've talked about the question of origin, the question of meaning, the question of morality. But where is all this heading? How does all this end? This is the question of destiny. When I die, what happens? And here's the thing, I don't, if, if you do, you can preach next week. I don't know anybody who's died and then come back to like, tell me about it, right? That's why this is tricky. And we can look at lots of different pictures in scripture of, of what heaven will be like. But the final one that we get in the book of Revelation is a new earth. That what God created good, God restores at the end. And while the timelines or specifics may be mysterious, Jesus promises what we can know. In John 14, this is one of my favorites. He says, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Biblical faith maintains that our destiny is with Jesus. And even though we might not know what the experience will be or what the timeline is, or there's, there's lots of questions we have about it, in knowing Jesus, we can know the way. So from our origins to our destiny and everything in between, the Bible can inform these fundamental questions about life. That's why it's all sufficient for Christian faith and practice. 
And it bears repeating. The Bible tells us these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Before that in the book of John, Jesus said this, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Are you picking up on the theme here? Life, true life, abundant life is found in Jesus. Jesus came to give us life to the full and friends, life to the full begins with biblical faith. This is where our church must gather around this word as we worship. We gather to study this word in groups and we live this word out when we leave this place. You know, there's lots of things that could take kind of the marquee position at a church, but we exist to point people to Christ, that they would believe he's the son of God and by believing have life in his name. This is central to our mission of disciple making. A disciple is somebody who follows Jesus, who, who's trying to live their life as if Jesus was in their place. I don't know if you've been to Steak and Shake or 54th Street or whatever, and you've got a waiter or waitress that's like in training and they're kind of going around with their, with their person learning from them. That's what being a disciple is. You're following around Jesus, taking orders. And so that's our purpose as a church is to make disciples, not to make nice people, not to make kind kids, not to be a social club or a concert venue or a humanitarian organization. Now, all of those things are good, but they're secondary. They're, they're responses, they're outcomes of our primary mission being to make new disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. I have a friend who recently encapsulated her growth in biblical faith. I saw a Facebook post just yesterday and was like, can I use that in my sermon tomorrow? And so this is Shelby Baker and I love what she said. What a blessed year for us. She's uh, got her and, and her boyfriend, Matthew. We've made many memories with our very special family and friends. I've spent more time in the word this year than any other before. I know that that has helped me see how truly blessed I am. All powerful God, sweet boyfriend, loving family, fantastic friendships, awesome job, great health and so much joy. I pray that I keep yearning for God, grow closer to him in this new year and that you notice him showing up for you in all the big and little ways that he does each day. Now Shelby and I are friends enough to where I know that not everything in 2021 was perfect for her. I know that's true. But where was her focus? Studying the word which shaped how she viewed her life. That's biblical faith. What was her hope for this year? That, we would, that she would learn and yearn and grow closer to God and that we would all perceive the ways that God is working in our lives. Man, that's a sermon right there. I couldn't, I, I was like, this is it, man. <laughs> Thank you for just putting this out there. So how can you grow in biblical faith in 2022? I'd invite you to commit to the following things. Commit to studying scripture. There are amazing reading plans on the Bible app. If you're an electronic person, just type in Bible in your app store. It's free. It's an incredible resource. That'll, that'll get you started. If you don't feel like you're, you're a reader, our church subscribes to this service called Right Now Media, which is essentially like the Netflix of Bible studies. 
Lots of amazing content on there from top-notch teachers. So you can go to our website and click at the bottom there. There's a little card for Right Now Media, and we can get you hooked up. And if you are a reading type person or if you aspire to be, I'd recommend two books for you. The first is A Year with Jesus. It's by Eugene Peterson. If, we, if our second child would have been a boy, I think I had Eugene slotted as the middle name. I think I had kind of took a little bit, but we were gonna get there. This is all to say I love Eugene Peterson. A Year with Jesus, uh, a great little um, couple verses from uh, one of the gospels. And then just another little paragraph of some reflections and thoughts from Pastor Eugene. Amazing book. Another one's called Through the Bible Through the Year. This is a great time to start it because you begin in Genesis and you end in Revelation. Now you don't read the whole thing as a part of this resource, but it kind of gives you some of the highlights. And so if you are a person, I, I know I'm speaking to folks, you know, I got a couple of folks here that could, that could give you into much greater detail, some other deeper resources. But if you're looking for a place to start these are two good ones because it can be intimidating and this makes it to where anybody can, can pick it up and understand. Another thing I'd invite you to consider is joining a group and making that commitment. Pastor Sherry is planning a whole semester's worth of groups that are gonna start in late January through May. And several of these will, in be, will involve studying the Bible. We're gonna talk more about this next week as we, as we look at another essential aspect of the Christian life and that's real community. But there's such power in this because you know you're not the only one trying to work this stuff out. Like even today, hey, I'm not the only weirdo who's willing to go to church when it's minus eight. That's a nice feeling. Right now, I'm, I'm not the only one trying to live this stuff out, trying to understand more about God. And so you'll know that you're not the only one trying to grow in biblical faith and you'll not only receive from and learn from others, but you'll find that you have valuable contributions to make as well. So there'll be more on this next week. And finally, I, I'd invite you to commit to worship. I'm talking to the folks who already are, so good on you. But what I hope is that every week that what's at the center of our gatherings is, is trying to understand and live out biblical faith, that every week we would have a time together where we read God's word and try and understand what God is saying then and now to us and how we can live it out. If you miss a Sunday, you can watch the entire service on demand. We've got just the message for you and we've even got a podcast if uh, you're a podcast person. So you and I can commute to work together. I mean, think how much fun that will be. And so we try and have resources to where you don't have to skip a beat with what our church is doing. So friends, as you embark on a new year, I hope you'll build your life around the essential ingredient of biblical faith, that you would know Jesus as the Messiah, the Savior, and through your belief, through his grace, find life in his name. That's an eternal life that starts now, life to the full. And everybody said, amen.